Okay, we'll give it a go again. Bismillah. Bismillah. Okay, if it doesn't work, look, uh, I have a big voice as well, so inshallah, we'll go with that, but uh, let me just set this up. Also, one of the sisters asked a question last week, Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah, and it was about, uh, this is a question that always pops up before we go into that, it's about men marrying for and why are women not allowed to marry for? I mean, uh, when you look at, uh, this is something the sisters need to also understand, when you look at the Quran as well, uh, Shaykh Salah al-Tameen rahimahullah ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions the ayah, فَنْكِهُ مَا تَابَ لَكُمْ مُسْنَ وَثَلَاثَ وَرُبَى Actually, Shaykh Salah al-Tameen says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started with two, three, and four. Allah actually does not say, the ayah does not start with one wife. It actually starts with two, three, and four. But then, you know, um, also in the same ayah, it does mention, in خِفْتُمْ That if you are scared, and if you know you're going to be unjust, then it, it clearly says, فَوَاحِدَةً That you have to marry only one. But what we need to understand, one, first of all, before we go into the question and start breaking it down, the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the amr of Allah, is, should be enough for the people. For example, I'll give you an example, a very simple example for you to understand. When you are allowed as Muslims, alhamdulillah, we're allowed to wipe our socks, the masah of the socks. Where do we do the masah? We do it on the top. Intellect says your feet get dirty from the bottom, not from the top. But that's the Amr of Allah. Allah is telling you that you have to wipe the socks on the top, not at the bottom. So the rationale says we should be wiping at the bottom. But the Amr, the order of Allah is saying no, we do what Allah says. So first of all, no matter who we are, men or women, these are the orders of Allah, this is what Sharia is. You know when Pauline Hansen says Sharia law, this is Sharia. Sharia is the way of life. And it, it's a root word that comes from the stream in Arabic. So Sharia is like the way of life. So everything part of it, what people don't understand, Sharia has hudud as well. Sharia has ta'zir as well. So hudud is only part of it. So when people say cutting of the hands and you know chopping of the heads and all these things, this is hudud. And this is part of, this is the criminal law of Islam. So, brothers and sisters, you know, uh, we go, as Muslims, we are someone, you know, for the best statement for Sahaba is, Sami'na wa ata'na. Very simple, two words. Sahaba heard it, they did it. How many times we hear it, and I'll be very, I'll actually, I'm a very soft person, but today I'm going to be harsh. Uh, how many times we hear, riba is haram. Or we hear it. But how many times we go to the bank and we still go to those means? 
We go to share Google Ibn Yahoo to find a fatwa which will allow us to get riba. Riba of people, the ajam don't understand. Riba actually means interest. So it's something that Allah is telling us. But even then we go and we look for the ways in order to... Allah, this religion honored the women. Marrying a woman is honoring the women rather than what the society says to bring mistresses. I mean, this society, I'm a marriage celebrant. They're registered according to Australian government. I'm licensed. It says you can only marry one woman in their law, but you can have as many as mistresses you like. I'm not making this up. You can't have two wives in one time, but you can have as many as girlfriends you like, as long as you don't marry them. But Islam honors the women, and it gives you a right. It gives you a right in the inheritance. It makes you a mother. It makes you uh, a sister. Every honor that was given, and inshallah we're going to learn from the seerah, every honor that was given to a woman, it actually came from Islam. Prior to that, the society, which was the society of Mecca, it was a very distorted society. Women were treated as flesh. They were buried alive. And one of the narrations which always pops up, and I always debate this narration, uh, because I say my leader, Omar ibn Khattab, was not part of it. It's a da'if narration where Omar is burying his seven-year-old daughter. I mean, people, we have this narration. It's a very common narration. So he's burying his daughter in uh, a seven-year-old, and she's wiping off dust off his head. And so... He looks at the daughter, he does not have any mercy on her, and he buries her alive. Yes, this was common in the society, but I stand to say it was not Omar. It's a, it's a narration mentioned by the name of Omar, but again, this was the Arabs who were doing it. It was not particularly Omar who was doing it. So now, um, let's try it out again, inshallah. Bismillah. So it's working now, I think. No, it's not. I think I'll go with you. See, we've got four batteries over here as well. I don't know, maybe the batteries have the same rule, uh, law as well. About four, four batteries in the charger, you know. Okay, let's try it, inshallah. too complicated for my liking. Okay, let's see. This time it works. Yeah, it's working. MashaAllah. Just when, when I said I'll be throwing it on the wall, when I just said it to this uh, device over here, it started working. Alhamdulillah. You know, in my uh, country, there's a saying, um, the people uh, who, there's kind of people that only learn the language of kicking. They don't learn the language of words. 
I mean, if I say it in Urdu, some of you probably would understand, but what, more or less what it means is some people only get the kicking. That's the only way they learn. They don't learn the other way. And I think the mic's from the same family. All right, so can you see my beautiful face in there? No. No? Is it good? No. It's a menu. Oh, it's a menu. Is it really beautiful? Superstar. Super okay, mashallah. That's how Allah made me. I'm not proud. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Sallallahu ala nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Okay, so now uh, I've got a little quiz, inshallah, before we go. I'm going to keep it really short, 7.30. We're going to be approaching the Isha as well. So very quickly, now we're going to be testing your memories. So uh, there's no lollies today. So this will be free questioning. So you're going to be answering. If you want to answer for free, I don't know if there's any lollies, I'm not sure if there's any lollies. But there's water, you can have water. So, having said that, um, who can tell me the first king who told his son to hatch a plan? Amr ibn Amr. Amr ibn Amr, mashallah. You can have water. <laughs> and who was the king, who, the Yemeni king who had the dream? And he called two people. I'm going to give you the name. They were really hard names. Ship and Satire. So these were the magicians, the fortune tellers. Who was this king who had this dream? Tabbad ibn As'ad is one of the sons of this king. Rabia ibn Asad. Rabia ibn Asad was the king after Amr ibn Amr. He left. And what happens when they're coming back from Medina? Who, which tribe do they meet? And they say there's treasures which are hidden inside the Kaaba. MashaAllah, short term memory. I heard the women had a long term memory, but these are you know, the men and women were the same boat. Hussein. Hussein was a tribe who hated the Yemenis and also they hated the Makkans, the Quraishis, and they wanted to get rid of him. So now Christianity comes to Arabia now. What was the first series? Idol worship came to Arabia. And who was the idol worshiper? Who brought idol worship to Arabia? The leader of Hussein. What was his name? Amr ibn Hay, that's right. And he's the one who brought idol worship. So who brought Judaism to Arabia? The Tubba, what's his name? We just, uh, brother just said his name. Ibn As'ad. Tabba Ibn As'ad, that's his name. And so he, 
Now it comes back with, you know the incident, it's like a chimney, they have a room, they open the door, that's where the fortune tellers burn. And now there's a city that we need to be very careful in Makkah, it's in Makkah at the moment, it's in south of Makkah. The city is Najran. And Najran has a very importance in the history of Rasulullah in the history. And so Najran is in current day, it's in Makkah, it's not in Yemen. So back in the days, it used to be part of Yemen. So this was the last place of the border of Yemen. And this is where the Christianity, how it arrived, it arrived from this city. Before we go into that, we would like to talk about what happens to Tabal ibn Asad. Tabal ibn Asad now dies and he has two sons. One of them takes power and the other one staying there as well. One is Amr ibn Tabal ibn Asad and the other one is Hassan. So Hassan is the one who becomes a leader. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really blesses this man and he becomes very proud. He becomes very arrogant. You know, when we, when we say Al-Mutakabbil, that's the only name for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the disease that came into shaitan as well. Why didn't shaitan bow down to Adam alayhi salam? It's because he became Al-Mutakabbil. And he said that he's better than him. And we say it all the time. We sometimes, if Allah blesses us with something, we have this kibber in us, the seed that comes. And that's why it's called shaitani seed. We all have it. Somehow it comes. It comes out. So Hassan, the Tuba of Yemen, says, I'm really powerful now. And I want to take over the whole world. <laughs> and he says, to his cabinet that who is the most strongest power in the region. And they say the strongest power in the regions are the Persians. So he says, let's start with the Persians. First I'm going to fight them and I'm going to kill them and then I'm going to go to the Romans, then I'm going to kill them and then I will go to the Ethiopians and that's how I'm going to be ruling the whole world. I will rule the Arab and I will rule the Ajah. I rule everyone. Now the cabinet said this guy has become crazy and he's become very proud of his power and they try to reason with him and they say we are strong but we cannot defeat the Persians. The Persians are superpower. The Persians have been in this region for 1,800 years and they are very powerful. So if you guys don't know that history, the Romans and the Persians, when Islam, when Islam came, these two were the superpowers. They had been in the region for close to 2,000 years, and they were really powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought leaders like Omar ibn Khattab, Khalid ibn Walid, Usman ibn Affan, Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, they were the leaders who destroyed the kingdom of the Persians and they destroyed the, re the kingdom of the Romans. Within 15 years of Islam in Medina, Islam was ready to take on the Persians. And they were ready. If you read the Rishala when we go in the Sirah, we'll go, we'll talk about the Battle of Qadisiyah. We're going to talk how Islam took such a great army of the Romans, how they fought them. So we're going to talk about these, inshallah. 
So now the cabinet tries to reason with this man and they say, we cannot defeat these people. So leave your intention that you want to do that. Allah has blessed you, so be happy with what you have. And you will kill our people if we fight the Persians. The king says, I do not care. If you do not come with me, I will order the army and I will take on everyone. Now, the cabinet was scared for the kingdom of Yemen because they knew if they will fight the Persians, the Persians will take over. So they had the plan. So now one more thing I want to tell you about Hassan. Hassan was a very paranoid guy. He was a very paranoid person. No one could go into his hujara, uh, into his room where he would stay that go alone in there. They had to get searched and they had to look for all the weapons they got and then they were allowed. So these cabinet ministers plan that let's go and kill him. Because if we do not kill him, he's going to kill the whole kingdom. So they go to his brother Amr. And they knew Amr was the only one who could go into the, in the room of the king without being searched. And they say to the king, and this is where the greed comes in. This is another disease which has been with the mankind for many years. The greed, the lust. And so when they go to Amr, the cabinet minister, and they say that if you kill your brother, we will make you the next king. There's one guy, and I want you to remember this name, Zuru Ain. Zuru Ain is just one person in the cabinet. One of, he is the one who says, do not kill your brother. If you kill your brother, Allah will send his punishment over you. You will not be able to sleep. You will not be able to forgive yourself. Now I want to just have a little bit of full stop over here for us to imagine now. How many of us, we sit over here, or we know our family members, where we are fighting our own brothers? We haven't seen our own brothers and sisters. We don't talk to them. We know these people, or maybe it's one of us, that are actually going through this. And we become so immersed in our own lifestyles that we don't want to know anyone from our family members. How many of us we know our family members who are poor and they need our help? But when the time for the help comes, we will help a stranger, but we're not gonna help our family member. Why? Because his situation might become better. And this is what it is. If you look at that, some is trying to take the father down and the brothers are trying to take the brothers and the sisters are trying to take the sisters down just in order to become or to gain something from this dunya. And Amr does not listen to Zuru Ayn. And Zuru Ayn gives him a letter. He says, I want to give you a letter. And do not open this. When the time comes when I tell you, then open this letter. And he listens to him, he takes the letter and he does not open it and he kills his brother. He goes inside the room the brother looks at him while he's making a drink for him. He turns around and he stabs him when his brother dies. And the cabinet, mashallah, very thick They were beautiful on their words, thick people, you know. So they said to him, we told you that you're going to become the leader, you are the leader. 
and he becomes a leader. Now, he suffers. What does he suffer with? You know when you don't go to sleep in the night, you need sleeping pills? You know why you need sleeping pills? Because you have hurt someone in your life somewhere. And that's why you need sleeping pills. And that's what happens to him as well. He cannot go to sleep. He suffers from insomnia. He's having it hard. He cannot function in the daytime. Because in the night he cannot go to sleep. And when the daytime comes, he's suffering from tiredness and fatigue. And he is now going paranoid and crazy. And he calls the doctors. And the doctors say, after listening to the story, this is what you've done, and that's why you cannot go to sleep. He says, I know what I've done. But tell me, what's the remedy? How can I come out of it? He says, there's only one remedy. All the people who told you to kill your brother, kill them all, one by one. Only then, you will come out of this remedy. That's the only remedy that you, you'll be surviving. And he says, I'll do that. I'll kill each one of them. And he starts killing each one of them. And then comes the time of Zul Ain. And now Zul Ain says, I gave you a letter. Before you want to kill me, I want you to read what the letter says. And I want you guys to listen to this very carefully. This is a poetry he writes. And Yemenis, you know, we spoke about them, they're Arabs. And he writes just two lines in there. And he opens a letter. And he says, so he says, who is so warped that the one who buys sleeplessness, who is so warped, who is so stupid or crazy that will buy sleeplessness? Allah actually, Sa'idun man yabidu qareer wa qareer ayin. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you sleep. You were sleeping, you were having a great time. You were happy with that. But how crazy you were that you bought for yourself insomnia. That you bought for yourself fatigue. And then he says, فَأَمَّا حِمْيَرٌ So Himyar is actually the people of Yemen. Ahlul Yemen were called Himyar or Himyar. So he says, فَأَمَّا غَدَرَتْ وَخَانَتْ He said, all the people, Ahlul Yemen, they were the ones who plotted, and they were the ones, the Khanat, they were the ones who were the deceived. And then he says, and the only one who was there, who kept on giving you excuses not to kill your father and your brother, that was Zero Ayn. So Zero Ayn, when he reads this letter, he leaves it. He says, yes, you're right, Sadat. You are the one who told me that not to kill my brother. I listened to everyone else. And he lets him go. And so after that, now, what happens is when Ammar dies, uh, when Amr dies, Amr ibn Thaban, he dies. Now there is a situation in Yemen which is a very difficult situation. Now everyone wants to get power. All the kids of Rabia ibn Nasr, the nephews, and all these other people, they want to have power. So there is an infighting that starts now. 
and they all start killing each other. They all want to become the leaders, and there is no one capital now. So whoever is in his palace, they have, uh, you know, by force, they want to become leader, they want to get people on their side. So the main palace, there now, there is a guy who is a highway robber, and he is, is very famous in, in Yemen, is trying to get his name, If anyone knows, they can remind me. Yeah, Luhunaya. Luhunaya is a highway robber. In the time of Amon, he was very famous even in the time of Tabalim and Asad, but he had no power. What he did over the days, he was an evil man, Luhunaya. He plotted, and after he plotted, he made a very strong uh, standing in one of those areas in Yemen. And when he heard that the Yemeni people are fighting, now he hatches a plan. He hatches a plan to actually come and to take over the palace. And it says Luhunaya actually comes and he kills one of the family members of Rabia, I mean, that's one who was in the palace, the ones who was leading at that time, and he takes over the palace. When Luchunaya comes in power, this guy is an evil man. He is a man who has no morals. He's a man who has no respect for anyone. He starts unlawful acts with women, and he deceives, and he plots, and he's one of the most evil people, and everyone hates him. Now there, in the story, fast forwarding the story, there is a one of the children, the descendants of Rabia ibn Nasr, his name is Zunawas. Zunawas actually, with some help of the rebels, he gets into the palace. And just to cut the story very short now, he gets to Luhunaya and he kills him and he stabs him. And he takes over the kingdom. Now the Yemenis, the Arabs, get the kingdom again and they establish their kingdom. Now let's go to how Christianity came here. Remember I spoke about the Jalan. And in the Jalan, there is a, a very rich person who's recently bought a slave. And this slave is Femeon. Femeon is actually a Syrian, and he is a great worshipper of Isa He's a Christian. And he is someone who does dawah. You have Tablighi Jamal over here, the people who go to different places, and you know, they do dawah. And there is a funny thing, the Arabs will relate to it better than anyone else. My friend, he is very skeptic of Tablighi Jamal. They always use, use the word khuruj. The word khuruj in linguistic term is actually used for fi sabilillah. You know, it's been recorded, so I'm not gonna go much detail so the Arabs understand what fi sabilillah is. So my friend, he's very skeptic, he's from Qatar, and he goes to this Tablighi guy, and he says to him, where are we going? Are we going to Palestine or are we going to Sham? He looks at him, no, 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 brother, we're going to the masjid next door. He said, so where are the weapons? <laughs> and so uh, this man just got, he's like, no, brother, what, what? He said, you just said you made Elam, you said Khuruj. So I'm ready, where are we going? I'm ready for the Khuruj. So, Yes, so these people, uh, the brothers, you know, they're great people. So like uh, Fimion is also one of those people who does Khuruj. So he's in Ethiopia, in Habasha. 
at that time. And the Arabs, you need to know, if you were alone, and if you were good looking, even a man, and if you were coming, this is the story of Suhaib bin Rumi, uh, the story of, uh, of Suhaib bin Rumi, also how he became a slave, and also Salman al-Farisi, how they were taken a slave. So what happens, Fimion is giving his da'wah, and one of the people gets him, and they make him a slave. And subhanAllah, this is a very just person. He understands the qadr of Allah, and he says, you know what, Allah wants that, I'm happy with that. He's happy. One of the Yemenis from Najran, he buys Fimion. And now Fimion, with this Yemeni master, goes to Najran. And when he comes, he looks at in the night one day, the master looks, Fimion has some powers. You know, as a slave, or some people would not understand the children especially. Slave is not my fellow, the little children over here, and also the teenager, but the children, the slave, the linguistic meaning of slave was your master is everything now. You don't go to sleep if your master wants you to stand over there. It's not the slavery that we say to our bosses when we get angry and you tell your boss, am I your slave? That slave does not even get paid. Did you know that? That's what slave is. He's not free. There's no money he's getting. There's no clothing he's going to get. Even food if his master's going to give him food. You want to know what really slavery in 20th century is? Look at the black Africans, what the white people did to them, the Americans. The Americans had no civilization. You know, worst civilization, worst accent, worst accent. Americans don't even know how to speak English. I mean it. It's the worst accent, the Americans. I mean, I'm very skeptic about Americans. So, for everything, and, and on top of that, the worst president as well. That was the only thing that was left. So, what happens is now, Fimion is sitting, after he served his master, his master is sleeping, now he's worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's a very strong worshipper. Remember, we spoke about all the adiyan before Islam were accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There were people who were Ibrahimi because they believed in one God and they believed in Ibrahim. There were people who were Yahudi because they believed in Musa alayhi salam. They were Muhabbu Wahid. They believed in one God. And these were Masihi and so they were the, were the people who believed in one God again and they believed in Isa alayhi salam. So Fimion was making this ibadah and he's worshipping Allah. The master sees this special light coming from somewhere, and he's amazed. He's like, who are you? Where is this light coming from? And he looks at it as an opportunity, and he starts talking to him. He says, I am the follower of Isa Isa was a Nabi of Allah. Isa told us there is one Allah, one God, and we only worship one God. We don't worship anyone other than Allah. And then he started saying, we were given a book, a kitab by our idea. And then we follow that book. It has the rulings and kaza wa kaza, and it just keeps on going. And so after that, he says, become Muslim, my master. Muslim, when I say it, means over here, believe in one God. Become a muwahid. And he says, no, I cannot. And he says, okay, master, you worship a tree. The people of Najran, they used to worship a tree. He says, if you, if I 
ask my Allah to burn that tree, will you worship my Allah? And he says, yes. And Fimion is very smart. He says, collect all the people and then we will go to the tree. And Fimion sits over there, all the people come and he starts making dua. And he says, oh Allah, you are the one. Oh Allah, this is an opportunity for us to bring so many people to the deen, a deen of Allah, deen of Isa. And so Allah help me. And he makes dua, and he makes dua. And then a lightning comes from the sky and it hits the tree and it starts burning. Ever since that day, till the people came to see Muhammad وسلم, which is over a hundred years, they were Christians. They were devout Christians. They believed in Jesus. And when they came to Medina, even then they were Christians. And they believed in Jesus. And they had everything. And they, whatever was said in their books, they learned from this guy, Fimion, and they expanded on the religion. So it is said now, everyone in the Jahan on that day became a Christian. So we'll stop over here, inshallah. And now we're going to talk about Ashab al in. Uh, episode 4. Ashab al Ukhdud, you all know that, but we're going to talk about this again. There's a story from Yemen, and it's an important story. And after that, we will go and start talking about Quraysh, and we'll particularly we will start from Abdul Manaf, and then we'll go down to Hashim, and Abdul Muttalib, and then Abdullah, and all the brothers, and then we'll come to Muhammad. So, ta'ala, the birth of Rasulullah, according to my analogy, should be by episode 7 or 6. So sit tight, we need to know how the Arabs were, we need to know the society, how it was, before we go into the nitty and gritty of all that. So I So now, I want to give everyone an opportunity, inshallah, the kids particularly, and the young ones at heart, and the young at the body as well, as the famous dialogue of my brother Ahmed, young at heart and young at body. Uh, so uh, those people can sit back and relax, but the youngsters who are really young in the mind as well, and young in their bodies, and the children over here, they can... I have a special guest today. I, I have my younger son today. So he's here to me. He never listens to me in the house, but he did a great job. 30 minutes he sat down and listened to me. I think I should be giving him a lolly, a snake. But never listen to me in the house. I mean, just today when we were playing outside, they were riding the scooty, and he was just riding, and I was tired for mocking him. I'm calling him, Abdullah, Abdullah, and I got angry. Did you change your name? I said, no, I didn't. My name is Abdullah. Why are you not listening then? Am I saying something else? So the kids, when you call them by their names in the house, they change their names. They don't remember their names. So maybe you should call them by kunya, and that's the great thing. The Arabs, they have the kunya. You know, they used to give. And what you know, uh, this is amazing. And the Ajam should listen to it. When you give a kunya to a child, it makes him feel bigger. That's why the Arabs would do it. They would call their little ones by the kunya Abul Qasim. So give your kids some kunya, maybe they would realize that they become a father or mothers. And the kunya is for girls as well. Now, don't think it's a religion for men all the time. We were talking where people just get this, uh, it's on the camera as well. I mean, it's, the kunya is for the women as well. 
So yes, and so anyone if got any questions, especially the younger bodies, not the younger heart, you can ask me later. But the younger bodies, you know, it's a session for you guys. Today I'm not going to give you any lesson. Actually, I can give you a lesson today. I mean, we spoke about in the khutbah, if you guys did attend the khutbah today, we spoke about being conscious of things around you. It's important. How many times we are busy in this dunya and the gadgets and everything, whatnot, but we become very, you know, absent-minded of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created for us to comprehend and to look at those things and it will be easy for us in order to just make sense that there is God. And especially the youngsters, you really struggle and the, the ones who are born in Western countries, you, the biggest struggle for you is to believe in ilm al -ghayb. You will believe Dynamo when he walks on the water. That's easy for the youngsters to believe. Some of you probably don't know what Dynamo is. He's a black magician who actually walks on the water. Later on, they told us when he was walking on River Thames, he's actually walking on the glass slabs. And all the kids were like, whoa, he's walking on water. He's actually not walking on water. So these are the people that we believe in. If someone takes a monkey out from their hat, oh, mashallah, they will believe these guys. Someone takes a rabbit out of their sleeve, we'll believe them. And so this is something, but when it comes to ilm al-ghayb, when we say there's Jibreel السلام, to the kids, they say Jibreel, okay, there must be Jibreel. So, yeah, see my son's laughing. So, when you tell them about Musa and Isa and all these miracles that he hit the stick and the water was parted, you know, I told this story to my son. I said, Imam Qurtubi said, this is a lesson for you guys, the young ones, today. Imam Qurtubi said, the water that came from the finger of Rasulullah that came between the bone and the flesh is better than Zamzam. I didn't say it. Imam Qurtubi said this. Now some of you are thinking, Rasulullah were given the powers by Allah that water started coming out. Because Sahaba said we don't have water to drink or make wudu. Allah gave him a miracle. 1,600 people and even some narrations, 2,000 people made wudu and drank water. The water was coming out from the finger. And some of you are like, whoa. Don't look at your finger because water is not going to come till you die as well. I'll tell you that. That was Rasulullah. That's what we're learning here about his lifetime. In our fingers, the water is never going to come out. But maybe, you never know. If you are someone who wants to bring a miracle to bring someone to deen, Allah can show miracles even today on the hands of the people who are the wali of Allah. There are walis of Allah who have miracles even today. But don't believe in these miracles. You know, in my country, they give these miracles. It's like, these are amazing. Like, you, it's beyond their imagination. It's like a, you can make, a, you fool someone. This is even fooling them beyond imagination. They say, one of the person really respected Quran so much, he used to put the Quran up in the ceiling. And every day he would respect the Quran. And one day, he became the Hafiz of Quran. Don't buy that. 
don't buy that. You never saw Quran, and you're telling me you became the hafiz of Quran, don't buy that. You know, it's, you have to strive for it. You have to strive in order to get it. You strive and you get it. It's not going to happen like that. And, and that's why some people of us in our communities, they put the Quran right on the top. Right on the top. In some beautiful wrap. And it's over there. Don't touch it. You'll become a hafiz one day. They don't read Quran. And that's why we make it, we make the cleave even for Quran as well. Yes, we need wudu for reading Quran, but don't make it a taklif. That if you have a translation, ulama, jumhur agrees. If there is any other language in Quran other than the Arabic, you don't need wudu for that. If you have a translation which has Arabic and English, let the kids read it. At least try to understand it. We make these things so far away from the reach of our kids. You know, there is a thing in Arabic, ta'zim. It's important. Ta'zim is important for things. But don't do, exaggerate your ta'zim. Then you will just be kissing the stuff. You're never going to be acting upon it. We just keep on kissing the Quran. But then if someone asks, well, what does it say? Oh, no, no, we were just told by the, to just kiss. And it will help you. It will never help you. And that's why we are here to learn the seerah of Rasulullah. Why? We love Rasulullah, but we need to know who he was. You're never going to love someone from your heart until you know who he was. You love him, and I, I guarantee you, if I ask any child over here, do you love Rasulullah, he's going to say, yes, I love Rasulullah. But if I ask him, do you love Ronaldo, he's going to say, I love Ronaldo, I know more about him. See, he's smiling, you know Ronaldo, right? Who's he? Plays for Pakistan, right? He's a fast bowler. No, see, he knows. He's a basketballer, right? Plays basketball. No. Maybe he plays golf. But what does he play? Soccer. Another thing, the Americans gave you this garbage, soccer. It's not soccer. Learn a word, football. It's the Americans gave you this. The Americans have given you so many words that you don't even know. Advertisement. Advertisement. Did you know that? It's not advertisement. It's the American garbage that you do. So, having said that, you know, I've got nothing against America. I have to go to America in coming years. So, if I'm not going to be putting, I'm going to be cutting this video, please. Cut this video because I have to go back to America. Imagine they say, garbage, go back to garbage. <laughs> so, <coughs> having said that, anyone has a question? So we have 10 minutes and we're going to Salah, inshallah. Yeah, they were Unitarian. They are Aryans, like they have the Philippine Wanga. Yes, yes. Or they are like Orthodox. No, no, no. They were Unitarian. So Unitarian, they believed in one God. That was Femion. So Femion, when he came, he came with the right religion. And that's why when they came to Rasulullah they had the right religion. But remember, what when Rasulullah came, Now, 
you have to believe in Muhammad sallallahu in order to go to Jannah. There's no other way to Jannah. Yes, prior to Muhammad sallallahu you had many doors to Jannah. If you were a Muwahid Jew, you were in Jannah. If you were a Muwahid Ibrahimi, you were going to Jannah. If you were a Muwahid uh, Isai, the one who believed in Isa, you were going to Jannah. But when Muhammad came, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and also kids remember when you hear this name Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam why? because if you don't say it that means you're Bakhil and mashallah you live in Rasul you shouldn't be Bakhil everyone over here they're loaded right? well that's what I heard but prior to that I used to live in Mount Druid they say oh you live in a house in commission so no no I'm renting so ever since I moved in this area, they don't say, MashaAllah, your, your, your status has gone up. But I'm still on the other side of the road. But having said that, anyone else had any other question? Anyone? Remember, you're going to ask any yes? Yeah, easy. Just say you're going to hell. Easy. It's very easy, you know? That's how we talk to people. No, I ain't kidding. See, with uh, how we approach people, we have to approach people, you know, with the best attitude and the best of the language. And so, remember Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Rasulullah was sent to perfect our manners. We have to show the best of the manners even when we are doing da'wah. Even. Even if someone, and I go this far, if someone's a homosexual, alright? You go and you tell them the religion, what our religion says. We, it's our job. Allah will ask me and you, what did you do? How did you take the religion? Rasulullah knew these people are idol worshippers. They were cursing him. They were hurting him. They wanted to kill him. Even then, he had love for them. He had rahmah for them. And that's why they came to Islam. It's the rahmah that he showed. You know, even he showed rahmah to the guy who murdered his uncle. He showed him Rahman. You know, he was angry because his heart was burning. Even then he showed him Rahman. What did he say, Wahshi? He said, you know, when I see you, my memories come back. So please, when I am here, don't come in front of me. He's asking him so that if he sees him, his memories will come back. That's showing Rahmah. How many of us, we start, you know, when we get angry, and then we always, mashallah, anger is the best uh, excuse. Oh, I was angry. I was angry. You punch someone's daylights out. I was angry. Oh, brother, I was angry. Sorry. Well, the Prophet was, had more, you know, authority to get angry. When Abu Sufyan, we say because Allah chose him to be a mu'min. When he came to Rasulullah just before Fatha Makkah, Rasulullah honored him. He did not tell him that tomorrow I'm going to be coming and first I'm going to get you. 
didn't say that. You know, this is what we do. When Allah gives us power, what do we do? You know, the situation of the communities today, we go, everyone goes in together, and we want to build an Islamic project. So when it's an Islamic project that is coming, everyone, mashallah, is pumped up. We're doing it for the sake of Allah. But all of a sudden, that there is a break. And just one person, because he did not like something, and he becomes so angry with your vision, and everything is full, it comes down on the face, falls on the face, and then your real person starts coming out. This is people, you know, you can ask people, with building massages, the community, the one which is building massages, you think they're doing a noble thing? You ask them, those people, how difficult that job is to deal with their own Muslim brothers, and they tell, and the words they use against them. When the person has the best of intention, he says, oh, you've been stealing money. Where's the money for the masjid? Oh, you, you're making this money so it's close to your house, this masjid. The people, we have forgotten the khuluq. And it's important. And that's why it's important that whoever we approach in our lives, we should go with the best of the manners. You know, even if someone says he's not going to believe in us, we should not turn our backs on them. Should not turn our backs on them. And this is what Rasulullah constantly was doing. He never turned his back on anyone. He always gave them an opportunity to come to Islam. Yes, there were some people, but then he made it outright. He was, he was angry with these people, Abu Jahl and the likes, asking him why. These people, and Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayyid, these people, yes, he made a dua against these people. But there were the majority of the Makkans that he loved. He loved for the sake of Allah. So one more, yes. Uh, just further to the question, brother sister, the, I'm, I'm not sure the, you answered the question that she was asking. Just with regards to the, uh, I guess there's cultural things that we do, there's obviously Islamic things we do. We pretty much see those parallels, particularly in weddings. Oh yeah, mashallah. Yeah, so Did you know that we have four days already? I don't know where we got that. Four days. You're going to get ready four times. Let alone getting ready for the first time is so hard. And if you're getting married, I got married once. It's a very difficult day. You know, you're very, you're, you're happy. And at the same time, you're anxious, excited. You don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, I understand. Okay, so with that, with regards to that, yeah, sorry, look, uh, we just go off tangent. That's why you call, we call imams, you know, just off tangents. People ask you a question, you get them busy, you just say what you want to say. We're not, we're, we're actually very similar to the politicians. You know, they teach politicians this thing. When a cameraman comes to ask you for an interview, make sure you have three words in there. These three words you just repeat it. Okay, what's your mother's name? Liberal National Party. Or right, well, how many children do you have? Liberal National Party. So where are you going on holiday? Liberal National Party. So going back to the cultural thing, look, we cannot uh, change our parents' minds. It's very hard. Our parents will be the hardest hurdle to change. If they will say, it's like, I'll give you a perfect example. In our weddings, in Pakistani weddings, if you go to Pakistan, 
and they say the wedding will start at 10. Make sure you reach there by 1 o'clock in the night. Don't go 10 o'clock because you're going to be cleaning the tables. So a man, and this is a true story, a man, someone crazy British, British like me came and he said, you know what, I told his future wife and his everyone, if you're not going to be there 10 o'clock, anyone, we're going to start the food and we are going to serve the food. And guess what happened? He was the only one started the food. There was no one to eat it. Everyone turned up, even his wife that he was getting married, turned up at 12. So you can imagine. It's very hard to change the older generation. That's why in the life of Rasulullah you will see culture and the religion of the forefathers always takes precedence. We have many problems with the culture, many problems. You know, some massages you will go, it's a cultural thing. Before Iqama, they do salawat on Rasulullah. Have you ever been to a masjid like that? There are people, they do that. This has got nothing to do with deen. And again, there are many practices. If you go against your parents, they just think you have left the realm of Islam. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example from culture. The birthday of Abdul Qadir Jilani. The birthday of Imam Jafar Sadiq. Rajab. On the 21st of Rajab, in the subcontinent, they cook sweets and the great sweets, you know, you want to be there with the great uh, naans and these breads and with the, you know, with the, with shalbat. And they're over there and people, they keep this food and they invite everyone. It's got no basis in Islam. It's got nothing to do with Islam. It is just there, there are so many practices we have because these practices were done by our forefathers and we do that today as well. Many practices. You know, for example, and inshallah, uh, this is in line, I uh, have done, I'm writing a book which is The Innovations of Modern Times. And it's, it's a book where I have collected the hadith and everything. 500 innovations I have collected. Another innovation in my religion, the culture. Open the lights in Maghrib time. It's practiced my, by my own mother. I have to delete that as well because if she watches it, she's going to disown me. So, by my own mother, and what does she say? Open the lights because the angels are going to come. And I say, my mom, angels are light. They don't need light. Because the angels will come and they don't know which room to go because it's going to be dark. And so there's another one. It's in, again in, the, in my culture again. And I think it's in the Arab culture as well. When the shoe is turned upside down. In my culture it says that slipper is giving land to the sky. I said, what? This is just a bit, no whatsoever, no thing, nothing, no evidence from the hadith whatsoever. Yes, the orf is, the slipper should always face the floor. And if it is like that, don't say it's giving light to the sky. It's just made up things. I have many, I've over 500 I've done in this book. And inshallah, I will share with the crowd as well. And we will get it published from Pakistan, my beloved country, because to publish a book from there is very cheap, two dollars. 
Everything in Pakistan is very cheap, except for the people. They're highly expensive. Yes, anyone else? Yes. Music, or music, the only music we're allowed to listen is Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen starts from there and Minal Jinnati Wannas. Anything that comes in between, we're allowed to hear it. And you have many singers, mashallah, Sudais, uh, Husari, one of the greatest, Michawi, amazing singers of Quran. Listen to those words. Well, look, uh, just uh, to stay away from what you said, music is something very common in today's thing. Uh, I say it's khutuwat shaitan for me, because there are instruments which are used in music. Explicitly, these instruments are haram. The only instrument we find from the hadith of Rasulullah on the day of Eid is duff. That's the only instrument. And the, in the music that you listen today is just garbage. It's explicit lyrics, rated lyrics. People, what they listen to today is famous pop, and you've got uh, rap. 70% of rap is swearing words, and 30% is something that you can listen with your mom and dad. And then you've got um, the hip hop. All these things, they make you crazy. I, I believe, invest in the things which will give you some benefit. While if you listen to music, you cannot keep your head still. You know people, I have seen this, no exaggeration, or lying. When I say that people think I'm funny, but I, I relate real stories, you know. I'm sitting in the car, on a traffic line, a guy is moving his head, and I thought he's getting seizures and about to die. So I open my car, just the window, just to end it. Oh, I'm like, oh, he's suffering from the music disease. He's having seizures. He's doing that. It seems like he's about to die. So my responsibility as a good citizen is to come out of the car and give him CPR, which I was about to do. But then I realize he's suffering from this disease. Is this going to be okay? So you have these people, you know our children, they can't sit like that. They're moving all the time, you know, where the move comes from. And so music will only corrupt us and it will only, you know, this is a very long topic, music, TVs, and all these other things, they will only corrupt us. They will make our heart weaker and weaker. And we will be falling into the traps of shaitan. You know, how many times have you listened to music? Ask yourself, how many music have you listened to? And, and how many Quran have you memorized? You will get the answer. Everyone over here probably knows one album, one album. How many of us know one juice of Quran over here? One juice. I'm only talking about one. Let's say juice amma. Just one. But if I was to tell you that who, you know, for the Sahabas we say, radiallahu an. For the Anbiya we say, alayhi salam. And for the Tabi'een and the other people we say, Rahimahullah ta'ala or Rahmatullahi alayhi. And for these musicians like Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, we say Lanatullah alayk. That's what we say. Are you going to add that? <coughs> but you know, again, my stance is.
to stay away from it and all these music's not going to help you whatsoever. So really evaluate your life, how much you know about this thing and music will only keep you away from the purpose of life. It just numbs you down. Most of the people who listen to music, they're, they're most of their, their time they're just numb. They live in this, this, reality, this uh, false reality of lyrics. They just live their lives, everything, they're just repeating these words. I mean, just uh, ask yourself this question, how many songs do you know? You don't have to tell us, just ask yourself. And then the second question you can add on that is how much Quran do you know? So we can all check ourselves. I mean, there are imams who are loud music, but you're asking the wrong guy, I'm a Salafi. Well, Imam Ghazali allowed music. So they allowed, they said there was some kind of music which took people, and you have nasheeds and nasheeds and things like that, they keep you close. But then if you're asking someone from the land of Abdul Wahab, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, he's not going to give you a very good answer about music. <laughs> not anymore, you're right. We've got the new land now. Yeah, you've got the new land now. The land of MBS. You know what I say about him? Wanted to become a doctor. Oh, it's, it's more deleted, it's okay. I'm not going Hajj this year, I'm going next year, inshallah. They say about MBS, this is a real, this is not a joke. He wanted to become a medical doctor, MBS, you know, it's MBS. What happened, he could not become one, so what he did, he shortened his name. So from Muhammad bin Salman, he became MBS. So every time he goes, he says, I'm MBS. And mashallah, he's operating so dear at the moment. He's operating. He's operating the kidneys, the lungs, the livers, the heart. And while Allah Musta'an, the way he's going, well, we will be lucky to find some deer in the coming days. Well, actually, I'm not very political, so I don't talk politics, but sometimes, you know, Saudi is very close to my heart. All my knowledge that I've learned is from that land, and I have a lot of respect for the ulama over there. One of the most closest alim to me, and the one I make dua always, Muhammad ibn Saleh al Utami, rahimahullah ta'ala. One of the greatest imams who came on this earth, and he died in 2003. He was junior to Abdul Aziz ibn Baz and also Muhammad al-Shakiti they were the senior scholars but Uthameen was special something about him was very special he was a faqih and so if, if you know who this guy was then you will know how important he was so we'll wrap it up over here I know people are waiting for Salah now and to see my beautiful face I mean it becomes a bird and you can come back inshallah and see me again if you love me so I will be here again next week, inshallah. But I'm here some other days as well. Jazakumullah khair. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa rahmatika wa rahmatika wa rahmatika wa rahmatika So we'll do our time, inshallah. Is the last week's Friday Census. Look, we live in democracy, so... We'll hands up if you want to... Hands up for Friday, if you're happy with Friday. <laughs> Ladies, Fridays.